Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we have finished our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. But before we get to the third season, we're stopping off on the island of Video Bob Game Pants to check out another SpongeBob video game. Uh, this one was released after the second season had already finished up. The last episode of the second season, which was completely aired out of its production order, but the final episode that I can see aired on October 19th, 2001, the episode of Procrastination and I'm With Stupid. Um, so then this new video game that we're looking at is actually the very first SpongeBob SquarePants console video game for the PlayStation 1 and eventually the Game Boy Advance, SpongeBob SquarePants Super Sponge, the fourth video game in the Video Bob Game Pants library, uh, the fourth video game to feature our, our lovable square friend. Uh, Super Sponge is a, a pretty decent platformer that honestly for its entire life I've overlooked up until this most recent playthrough. Uh, overlooked in the sense that there were just better Spongebob games out there. Um, there is a point to this game that although it feels like every other kind of licensed video game of the time, maybe a little bit on the cheap end, maybe a little rushed uh, to reach to market for, uh, you know, like the shopping season. There is a, although that, that feeling is there for this game, there is a level of effort with the IP that I, I do think needs to be acknowledged and, and honestly respected a bit more in the SpongeBob SquarePants video game Pantheon because there's so many video games and there's so many of them that I feel like underperform with the IP that for a game like this should just be solidly remembered, especially that it's an early entry in SpongeBob's lifespan uh, and, and being used as a video game property. I mean, this is really 
only the third SpongeBob SquarePants video game released. Uh, although he appeared in Nicktoons Racing, that's that's just an appearance. Uh, then followed Legend of the Lost Spatula in the Game Boy Color, followed by Operation Krabby Patty on the PC, then following Super Sponge. Uh, all three of those released in the year 2001. Let, let's keep that in perspective for a second. Even though we may go through a lot of episodes in between these video games, this is in one year span that SpongeBob has made it from the from his very first video game all the way to his very first console video game. He already has a PC video game out. The the SpongeBob SquarePants marketing is in full effect. Here we are, two years after his his initial release. Um, this is just going to be the start of something that's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And we're going to be getting into a lot of video games uh, eventually. Every video game we get into, they're just going to get bigger and bigger, and they're also the space in between games is going to become smaller and smaller. So uh, although I have not been able to live stream, um, I did for Legend of the Lost Spatula and I did for Nicktoons Racing, but um, as we continue, I think YouTube is is mainly going to be our, our just number one home for, for all the content. Uh, that that I create and and honestly going to be the 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 main focus point of any of the video game content I make. So um, I'm going to probably at at some point before the next video game reshoot um, all of the footage of Nicktoons Racing, Legend of the Lost Spatula, just so we can get some back catalog of some footage. Uh, I, long plays are very popular. I would love to commentate over those long plays, and I I had a blast getting through uh, Super Sponge. Uh, just to keep things transparent, uh, all of the games that I have played thus far, I do own, even if I have used emulation for uh, ease of access. I'm looking at my copy of Legend of the Lost Spatula. I have a Game Boy or a DS I can plug it into, but uh, it's just easier to use an emulator. Uh, I, I'm going to make sure that any game that I emulate uh, for this series is going to be a game that I own and can show off and say, hey, look, I own this game. I've played it. I've supported, um, you know, supported whoever. Uh, anyway, Super, Super Sponge on the PS1, I, I think I've said this earlier, it was a game I overlooked for a while simply because when it was released, I didn't have a PlayStation 1 at my disposal. I, I grew up with a Sega Genesis, then had a Nintendo 64, and then had a Nintendo GameCube. Uh, I didn't get into the PlayStation brand until I started becoming a bit of a collector and, hey, I want to build collections of games I like and different consoles and then started kind of diving into the PlayStation library. So by the time that I owned a copy of Super Sponge, it was out of that moment of nostalgia. It wasn't a game that, um, you know, I had better SpongeBob games to my at my disposal, so I would play this for a little bit. Yeah, okay, it was it was all right. It was a, you know, small licensed platformer on the PS One, decent graphics. Kind of just shoved it to the side, and not that it was shoved to the side out of disrespect in any way, shape, or form. It was just shoved to the side because, as I said, there was better SpongeBob games out there, so it wasn't necessarily t as a negative. Um, but now, having sat and you know played through the entire game yet again, I did it once uh, before when it first, you know, when I first got my hands on this, uh, the, the smaller PS One, the the second release, the actual call, the name PS. O-N-E, PS1, uh, I was able to get that and the attachable screen to it that fits 
all perfectly together um, and the screen folds down. So when I was able to get this PS1 when I was like 16, 17 and, and was able to play through Super Sponge, I played it through on that tiny screen on my desk about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, just kind of a short run through. And let me tell you, playing it from that to then, you know, playing it on the PC, on an emulator, on a, on a big screen, much different experience. I, I, I just I found a, a new level of, of appreciation for the presentation of the game. It still feels cheap. It still feels rushed. But the effort put in the, the intro alone shows off a lot of footage from the second seasons episodes that we were just going over. It was actually very appropriate to kind of end with this because they used so much from season two. Um, but also, this isn't just a game that features some text and, and some when, when I'm saying like the word cheap, when you think cheap, it would be something where it's just text. They actually got the voice actors for the cartoon to come in and voice new lines for the video game. Most of the voice actors from the show are present here uh, and accounted for, including including Tim Conway and Ernest Borgnine as Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Um, the whole Ernest Borgnine part, though, has to be noted because this is, I believe, one of only three SpongeBob SquarePants video games that he has appeared in as Mermaid Man. Um, uh, the other, yep, that is the, the other games are Truth or Square and Boating Bash, which <laughs> I can't believe they got Ernest Borgnine for Boating Bash. That's great. Uh, but yeah, so, so think about that. This is when you hear Tim Conway. Now, Ernest Borgnine's Mermaid Man is not on the same uh, speaking role level as uh, Tim Conway's Barnacle Boy. But Tim Conway is all around this as Barnacle Boy. He has so many speaking lines with SpongeBob. Uh, we get Patrick. We get Squidward. We get Sandy. Mr. Krabs, as usual, is not voiced by Clancy Brown, although the Mr. Krabs they have here is is not not too bad. I've definitely heard worse Mr. Krabs impressions in video games than the one that we have here. Um, and his his role is is quite minimal, uh, honestly. Uh, and I think they, you know, they knew like, hey, let's feature more of the voices that we have. And, you know, we'll have Mr. Krabs there. But um, what's what's really nice about this game, and I and I did write some notes uh, during the, the first part of my playthrough, just um, just some quick notes that I have here. A joyful presentation in menus. I gotta say, the the menus going through them now, the colors pop. The music in this game throughout, even though there might be some tracks that, when you're playing, don't feel like SpongeBob music. I got the music throughout is fantastic. The Super Sponge soundtrack is a, is a very. Uh, they know exactly where you're supposed to be, and like I said, there's there's sometimes there's pieces of music that I don't know when I was playing if I decided to you know if I needed to pause the menu you know the music would keep playing um not loop it you know it would just play without any of the sound effects and I'd be able to listen to it for a second and there would definitely be some tracks there that I'd go you know this just doesn't it just doesn't feel like Spongebob but then I would look at the level and the design and it would go all right yeah this okay like I get it, 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 it they did a great job um character models are on point for uh, for a 32-bit game it, it they're a lot of this is 2D. The only real 3D, uh, some of the, the the only other game I can kind of think of that this reminds me of is Toomba on the PS1. 
Um, SpongeBob's model has more texture to him to show a bit of like a pseudo 3D effect. And he has some wonderful facial movements, especially when he's teetering on a ledge and whatnot. Um, there are some platforms that like are from jutted from the wall. Like there are certain trees that if you're looking at the tree, it looks like a 2D image, but at certain angles, you can see that you can jump on the branches, that there's actual platforms you can jump on them. So it's one of those kind of games. Um, the voice acting has been impressive. Gary, though, sounds like he's been smoking a little bit too much. The, the, the I don't know, the meow sound effect, uh, even I checked on the PS1 version on that PS1 I have, and it, and it sounds just a bit scratchy there. Uh, I'm a little bit worried for him. Uh, I, I, I mentioned how much Tim Conway uh, was just impressing me with his Barnacle Boy here. Uh, the, the first level is a great SpongeBob, like a great starting level for a SpongeBob game. Um, but what's different is that pretty much in every other SpongeBob game that you can think of, you've, you probably would want to avoid the jellyfish. It feels like in every other SpongeBob game, jellyfish are an enemy that you should watch out for. But in Super Sponge, you got to retrain yourself because the jellyfish are at no point harmful unless there's a specific, you know, character that's you know you'll be you'll be told will harm you um i'm talking about mother jellyfish but yeah none of the jellyfish you see behind you swimming around will harm you in any way shape or form but they're actually weapons that you can pick up with the jellyfish net and then like projectile launch at enemies uh with with i would say very poor range but that was a that was an opinion i had really at the beginning of the game until i really just got used to the weapon and over the course of the game I it just became like second nature on how to use it when to use it so gotta say it was an early complaint but uh, I I moved through with flying colors it's not so every level has a different weapon or there are different weapons you can find in, in levels that will help you out but um, sometimes there's levels like in Sandy's Tree Dome where you're not really given a weapon you're given a tool which is of course the um, uh, SpongeBob's helmet that helps him breathe, you know, in, in Sandy's air. That is a whole different mechanic for that level specifically. Otherwise, at times you can find a, uh, a, fish, a fishing net. At times you can find um, your reef blower. At times you can find your karate uh, chop fist um, hand to be able to karate chop enemies. There are different weapons that, you know, will help you make new platforms like the bubble wand. But what's great is uh, there as I was going through the game, I found that there were uh, times that it was very obvious when you would need to use a weapon or one of these tools to assist you to move on to the next part of the level. But there were other times where they would give you one of these tools and then you would just if you just knew how to use it in the right way, you wouldn't need any, like if you would come across other tools, it was just like, I don't, I don't need the karate chop hand. I, I have the bubble wand. I'm just going to make platforms and get out of the way of all these enemies. There was, there were some levels that were very inviting to let you kind of play how you wanted. Um, and there were, there were other parts that you would just hit the wall and, Hey, you're going to have to pick up the reef blower. The reef blower, for example, would, would make your movement slower, but you would be able to shoot out, uh, shells that you could pick like these designated shells you could pick up and shoot at enemies and knock down walls. So it, it was a, a means to, uh, get through the level, but then also it could be used as a useful tool. Um, as as we were going through the game, they they pretty much 
stuck to a decent um, leveling pattern here. Uh, there are five different chapters. Uh, each one follows Sponge. The whole point of the game is that it's Patrick's birthday. SpongeBob wants to get him a, a great gift. And what better gift than an autographed picture from his two favorite superheroes, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. When SpongeBob goes to the uh, to the two elderly at their retirement home, uh, they ask SpongeBob to yeah, do a few chores for them uh, in return for the autograph. So SpongeBob is just is game to help out these two superheroes get what they need. Uh, the first chapter sees SpongeBob making a peanut butter, tomato, and jelly sandwich for Mermaid Man. That's what he's asking for. So chapter one is all through Bikini Bottom. We go through Jellyfish Fields, Sandy's Tree Dome, Fish Hooks Park, and downtown Bikini Bottom. I gotta say, the Sandy's Tree Dome level was an absolute wonderful experience this time around. I finally... I think understood the mechanic with jumping up on these on these branches that shoot you up higher. When I was first playing this, I had such a difficulty learning how to play through this level, and this time I kind of just went with the flow, and it's it was a just surprisingly nice time, and honestly made me appreciate the platforming a little bit better here. Uh, chapter two uh, takes us to the center of the earth with the carnivorous canyons, the thermal tunnels, the acrid air pockets, and the lava fields, all for a spa treatment for uh, Barnacle Boy, who I think is telling you to get that stuff for Mermaid Man and alludes that it's it's definitely not for him. Uh, but but yeah, all that, all that spa treatment stuff. Uh, the next fetch quest for our uh, favorite superhero team is for new costumes, and it sends SpongeBob back to the prehistoric times of Bikini Bottom. It's, it's actually, it's kind of funny that it just, he goes to uh, Plankton's time machine, which with that revelation puts into question on where this uh, game takes place in the canon of SpongeBob SquarePants. If Plankton already has a time machine, is it possible that this game takes place after Sponge Out of Water? Certainly is. Uh, so SpongeBob goes to prehistoric times, the Precipice Canyon, the Desert Wasteland, Kelpozoic Jungle, and inside the Whale to find our heroes a new a new costume, yeah, some new costume digs like slippers and whatnot. Uh, finally, uh, Barnacle Boy could really use a candy bar, and SpongeBob takes his uh, adventuring all the way down to Rock Bottom. Uh, we get the levels Road to Rock Bottom, Lonely Souls Graveyard, and then Last Stop. Um, now the way that the all of these levels are are structured it's that um you basically get three levels completely and the fourth level has a um has a boss battle at the end of it so you still get you know a, a good portion of a level but then there is a a stop point you're given a time to kind of read about the boss you're going to be facing and the game does give you a decent hint or two about how to take out the boss uh the boss battles that i i haven't mentioned though at the end of um level four of uh of uh, the bikini bottom level you fight mother jellyfish uh during chapter two during the lava fields you fight the sub shark which is uh and it's also like alluded to and rumored that plankton has created the sub shark but um it's not really kind of there's nothing really past that other than just like one little mention. Uh, during the prehistoric times level at the end of the whale, uh, the, the whale has a, a parasitic worm inside of them that you must take care of. Uh, and then when you return to the uh, the rock bottom level, the you actually fight the Flying Dutchman with clips used of Brian Doyle Murray. It was, it was certainly a treat yet again. Um, but... 
man, the Flying Dutchman was actually one of the more annoying bosses to to take on. It's not that he like was hard to handle, but it was it was difficult to get a read on him uh, at, at first, and he was just creating a bit more of a havoc for me. And then I eventually got onto his pattern, uh, but I think it was just because I was I was more. Uh, I was just more stoked to hear the the high quality versions of of Brian Doyle Murray's uh, lines coming through the uh, screen here. And finally, when SpongeBob returns with the uh, candy bar from Rock Bottom, uh, our uh, our superheroes TV has broken. With SpongeBob uh, totally fine grabbing the tools to help repair the television, which brings us to Chapter Five: The Industrial Part of Bikini Bottom. Level One is the industrial version of Jellyfish Fields. Level Two is Man Ray's Lair. Level Three is Oil rig and level four is the canning factory uh in which the boss fight at the end has you up against the iron dogfish which is the final boss of the game pretty crazy that uh and i'm sure you thought the same thing with me there that man ray's lair is just the second level of the industrial chapter i was not only confused about that but that the fact that man ray was used as just a normal villain in the level. You would just see him a couple times throughout the level, and he was pretty easy to take care of. Um, I mean, no offense, if I was restructuring this, Man Ray's Lair is the last level of this part, and Man Ray is the final boss of the entire game. Holding the final tool to fix Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy's TV? Yeah. But to, to have Mermaid Man... Now, Man Ray is is teased in the beginning of this game during the intro. They give up the fact that Man Ray is in the game. So you see that and you go, okay, we're going to face Man Ray at some point. But for for him to just kind of show up as just some ra- random level enemy and then to have his lair be used as just this second part of the fun. I felt really underwhelmed by that usage of Man Ray. Um, maybe they just saw the one episode with him and said, ah, he's a joke. You know, we can't have him as a final boss, but uh, dead wrong here. Uh, Iron Dogfish, not a cool final boss. Man Ray, even if he was uh, uh, as easy as the Iron Dogfish to take care of, it still would have just made for a a better ending, especially of, of the game Super Sponge, in which Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are front and center uh, of this game. They're on the cover there, so they're they're part of this plot. And just to see their their number one villain relegated like this, it's uh, I was a little underwhelmed by that. Um, but the end sees SpongeBob fixing the television. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy finally uh, sign the picture for Patrick, and there's a wonderful little uh, uh, ending here with everybody celebrating Patrick's birthday. Uh, now, throughout the game, beyond the items you're collecting in each level for the uh, for the for the elderly. Um, you are also collecting golden spatulas, and it's the best way to think of them as Sonic's rings in this game. You collect them. Uh, when you get hit by an enemy, you lose a bunch of these spatulas in which you can kind of, you have a few, se- like a second or two to recollect them as you would Sonic's rings. Um, and if you collect enough throughout the game, you actually uh, get a secret level. Yeah, each level there's a uh, there's a counter of up to a hundred. Now I I hope to achieve this level on the on the next playthrough. Uh, going through this, I I had to be quick with with time and whatnot, especially with how things have been going and and all the plates I'm spinning over here. Um, but you get a Six Flags inspired level known as uh, Six Clams Adventureland. 
in in those levels, uh, it's an amusement park. You can ride through obstacles and collect 25 flower tokens. The tokens can be used to buy props for Patrick's birthday party at the end of the game. Uh, so this game was also released on the Game Boy Advanced on November 8th, 2001 uh, in North America and in Europe at some point in 2001 as well. Uh, the Game Boy Advance version pretty much follows this game almost one-to-one, except for obviously the graphics are going to be down a little bit to, to for the Game Boy Advance to be able to hold it. And also in the Game Boy Advance version, there's a, a dedicated health bar instead of the golden spatulas being used as such. Um, the Game Boy Advance version also um, it w- was my first SpongeBob game that I, I think I owned. I think I owned that right before I was able to find Legend of the Lost Spatula at a at like a mom and pop retro game store. Um, ex- especially at that age, I, it wasn't very often that I got video games. So um, they kind of came in these like rare pockets. Uh, the handheld ones were easier to come across and definitely easier to convince, you know, parents or whatnot to get because they were a lot cheaper. Um, but I but I think I owned the Super Sponge game first on the GBA before Legend of the Lost Spatula. Uh, and I, I don't remember if I ever had had sat through and beaten the GBA version as a kid. I, I don't remember seeing the birthday. And that's the thing. But anyway, um, getting getting through this was an absolutely wonderful time. It wasn't that long of a game to beat. It was like an hour and a half, two hours long. Uh, just a very simple playthrough. And and honestly, even when the difficulty spiked up a little bit in certain levels with the amount of enemies that they were throwing at you, um, with the with the amount of um, invincibility you you had once you got hit, you could honestly rush through a lot of annoying parts and just quickly get through through this game. Um, if you are a, if you're a fan of the Sonic the Hedgehog games and understand that ring mechanic whatsoever, then you should know that even when you have one, you can easily bur- like burst through really bad parts of levels just to get through and then secure yourself at least one extra ring so that you can move on safely. I had to do that a few times here when things kind of became overwhelming, but even after the fact, I realized, oh, the, you know, if if I just went a little slower, um, I, I would have been able to avoid some of those uh, some of those problems. But uh, anyway, that was my time and experience with SpongeBob SquarePants Super Sponge. And if you're a fan of this game, I would love to know what your favorite experience of this game is. What are your memories of this game? Did you own it? Uh, is this one you've never played? Would you be interested in trying it out? Because honestly, uh, my recommendation here is to try this game. It, it is worth trying if you're a SpongeBob fan. The voice lines are wonderful. The presentation is great for the time. Um, like I said, for a licensed game, definitely you can you can tell they may have been a little bit rushed and crunched or maybe the assets they had access to them. But the team at Climax here did a, did a great job with the SpongeBob brand. And and here I am, you know, 20 years later. Uh, yeah, well, this is legitimately. We're almost at the 20th anniversary of the release of this game. Um, maybe we should do a live stream for that. I don't know. November, November 5th is, is coming right up. Uh, well, we'll see how things go out. I'm not going to make any promises right here right now, but, uh, but yeah, here we are 20 years later, SpongeBob SquarePants, Super Sponge. I can tell you it, it holds up as a game. I mean, 1.6 million copies are out there in the wild. You, maybe you played one as a kid. Maybe you should replay it. Let me know how it holds up. But anyway, that is this episode of the Squarecast. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your time. If you're a uh, part of the Ready Crew, I appreciate you immensely. And if there's any way that you could see help this ship grow, 
anything is appreciated by the captain. We'll see you here next week when we start the uh, the first episode of season three. I believe I'm going to be changing the release schedule as we're going. I know right at the end of this season, things kind of became a bit scratchy. Things on my end got a, a bit crazy, but... Um, I, I've, you'll never see things really move out of order, and definitely the This Week in Nickelodeon History episodes have been helping me kind of keep things together. So uh, even if you don't listen to those religiously, I would definitely check out the last few episodes. I'm trying a new style over there to see how things go. Um, and they, they've been helping me kind of keep things at, in track because, you know, these sometimes these delays, you know, they... They, uh, they happen, and then they just get out of whack. Um, and, and so thank goodness for those episodes. Um, but yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going probably with season three to going to be starting uh, releasing episodes uh, Monday mornings instead of the Fridays that I was doing through most of season two. Uh, let me know how you think about that. I'm going to be releasing probably next episode next Monday uh, to kick it off. So uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you here next week, mateys. Ah!